you know that someone has a gun, someone's armed with a gun, you can hear the gunshots as you're going up. Uh, the biggest fear for me as I pulled up and it was in my mind was that there was a chance that I could clearly lose my life. You know, right now I'm thinking of a drowning I went on and I will never forget the sound of, of that mom screaming. Um, it's a challenge to go to the parents and tell the parents that your baby is not gonna make it and there's nothing we can do. I remember one um, particular situation, a kid named Jake, he was eight years old and we got a call of a baby drowning in a pool. And I remember we got there and we pulled the kid out of the pool and we started doing CPR because that's what we're trained to do. And I remember he threw up in my mouth and I remember opening his eyes and I could see that his pupils were fixed and dilated. But I thought, oh, you know what? He threw up, that's a good thing. He started breathing and the firemen did a great job and they took him off and um, he didn't make it and he died. And I never, again, I never told anybody about that. Jeremy here and welcome to today's Everyman Livestream. Did you know that churches all over the world use a live stream as their weekly men's gathering? Now we get pictures sent in from churches in every part of the country and world that show men in fellowship halls, around tables, using their outlines and having discussions. Our question is, how is men's ministry going in your church? Do you have a weekly study you can count on to touch and transform men? If you like what the Everyman Livestream is doing for you personally, think about what it could mean to the other men in your church or community. And we believe that God is raising up a movement of catalysts. And if you have felt that tug inside to reach the men of your church and community, go to everymanministries.com and get your subscription today. It'll give you access to dozens of curriculum and content. Start that wildfire in your church and see what happens. Now, as we finish up this powerful series called With God, we don't want anyone to think this has just been a journey of getting some great spiritual information. If that's all it is, that would be a fail. But if the truth that has been shared in sessions one through four is being applied, we should see what we are going to discuss this morning, namely transformation. Now, I like it when Pastor Kenny says, information without application and transformation is, is hallucination. In other words, if I have an authentic relationship with God where he is pouring into me and I am listening, that means that my thinking will begin to change, my living will begin to change, and I will be transforming as a man. Now, when a man is truly with God, he will truly transform and those around him will take notice. But before we dive into today's study, take a moment right now and share this powerful session with your friends so that they can experience a transforming and healing power of Jesus. Now let's go live to Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California, and join men's expert and pastor, Kenny Luck, for part five of our study, With God. Good morning. Merry Christmas. We can still say that, right? Merry Christmas. Mm. Christmas, right? In Espanol, right? More of Jesus. Um, so we're in part five of this series. You can take out your notes if you're joining us online. Welcome. 
we're in part five, uh, last study of 2019, uh, great year, but we're in this uh, study called With God. And uh, the headline for this, this study is that relationships can start in a positive, mutual, and reciprocal way, and then over time, relationships can change. Amen? You know, if the proper things aren't done to maintain and care for them. And so it's always good if you're in a relationship to reset it, to kind of go back and just go, hey, what are the initial things that started this thing off and what made it great at the beginning? In fact, in the book of Revelation, it talks about that. It talks about how uh, the, the, the people of God uh, can have a first love and then they can lose their first love. And so that's kind of what we're doing. We're, we're reassessing and, and hopefully as we've gone through part one, part two, part three, part four, and now part five, you're getting some handles on how you need to recess your, reset your relationship with God. And in part one, we just talked about how being with someone means treasuring someone. That's really how it kind of starts off. In part two, we talked about how being with someone means being welcomed and wanted, you know, not wanting something from them, but just welcoming them and wanting to be with them. In part three, we talked about walking with someone. That's true in your relationship with God. In part four, we talked about how listening is at the center of healthy relationships. And in part five, we're gonna talk about how learning in a relationship drives the relationship. In fact, we can listen to Jesus reset what he envisions for our relationship with him uh, from Matthew chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 28. Let's read it together, ready? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let's unpack a little bit uh, what Jesus envisions, because what we see in this is an invitation to relationship, and then we see what Jesus envisions happening in the relationship uh, going forward, all right? And the first thing we wanna notice about what Jesus said is that relationship with God produces rest from God. Okay, write that down. Relationship with God produces rest from God. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. It's a great offer, right? And now we need to ask ourselves, well, okay, I come to Christ and and, and he says that when I come into relationship with him, I'm going to experience rest versus burden, okay? And then in the second sentence, he tells us a little bit about how that happens. He says, take my yoke upon you and what? And learn from me. You ever been with someone who knows more than you? Especially in an area where you need to know more, but you don't. And so you got a guy, right? Call him up. It's like, dude, I don't know how to replace a water heater. Can you help me? You know, It's good to be with someone who, and then immediately when they're like, yeah, I'll help you. It's like, oh man, that's great. My wife is going to be really happy now. <laughs> right? I have a friend like that. His name's Jeff. And, and Jeff is just the, like, I'm like MacGyver. I'm good with like, like a screwdriver and a hammer and duct tape. Uh, but Jeff is like the master. We call him Jesus Genoway because he's so handy, right? But relationship with God produces rest from God, and it's because 
When we invite, when we get invited into relationship with Jesus, he just lifts our burden, right? Now, write this down. Here's how he does it. Living restfully requires learning willingly. If you want to live restfully in a relationship with Jesus, you got to be a willing learner. You got to be you got to be ready to go, "Hey, what whatever it is that you you can give to me in terms of your insight, I'm willing to learn from you." Uh, I love the the picture that he gives to the audience. He says, "Take my yoke." All right? I I did a little uh, word study, and that word yoke is the word zugos, and it's a wooden yoke that, that joins two animals together so that they can combine their strength. So when, imagine, you know, you have one animal, and then you have a wooden yoke that's built for a second animal, you know, to kind of go in there. And so it's like horsepower, right? Or cow power, whatever, all right? But you've got them pulling, it's like, well, we need, you know, to get, to get the, whatever it is back there moving that way, we need, a, we need a second thing. And so Jesus is talking in language that they know, and just like, hey, you know what? Uh, take my yoke. Invite me in, and guess what? We're going to pull together, and what it was that you were trying to pull before, it's going to feel different when I'm in there with you, all right? And the way it gets lighter is you learning and listening to me. That's when life begins to, you, you start to feel the benefit, all right? But you've got to invite me in and learn, all right? So that's the last kind of fill in when, in unpacking this invitation to relationship with Christ is my energy needs his insight. Write that down. My energy needs his insight. So today, you're going to enter into your life. You're going to enter into your relationships you're going to enter into situations with people and problems and challenges, and you can enter it with Jesus' insight or without it. That choice is up to you, all right? And Jesus says, you know what? Invite me into the yoke, learn from me, and you're going to find rest for your soul, all right? Now, this whole idea of, of learning from Jesus, you have to understand that in the Gospels, Jesus is called teacher over 60 times. Don't you get that? You know, people say, teacher, teacher, teacher. So the relationship, just like it's vine and branches and shepherd and sheep and potter and clay, it's teacher and pupil, and Jesus talks about that. It says this in Luke 6, and, and he also spoke a parable to them, quote, a blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Now, th this is a reset. This whole, those few sentences are like, okay, this is how the relationship is supposed to work, right? You know, it's like, what I see happening right here is men leading men, the blind leading the blind, and when the blind lead the blind, what happens? Fall into the pit, right? But then Jesus says, uh, and, and then he goes into this, the symptomology of what's happening, and he says, a pupil is not above his teacher. So men enter into relationship with God and then start telling God what his business is, Right? 
when God's, when God's a creator and he knows more than us and uh, he, he, he knows what's ahead and he knows what the plan is and yet it's kind of inverted and, and the relationship is turned upside down and, and Jesus is going, hey, pupil, not above who? Teacher, okay? So this is how the relationship with works, okay? And, and then... And then he says, and everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. So there's modeling, there's mentoring. But we've got to remember, you know, who the mentor is and who the mentee is. The mentor is Jesus, and I'm the mentee, right? And so how do we respond? If, if, if that's how Jesus ha- resets the relationship, he's like, hey, you're going to invite me in, and then you're going to learn from me, and your life is going to going to feel lighter because we're both pulling and my insight is going to come alongside your energy and you're going to find rest for your soul. And then Jesus says, hey, pupil not above the teacher. We got to always look and reset and go, am I, am I the one who's turned that upside down? Is pride turned it upside down? And am I, am I God, little G in my life? Or is Jesus God, big G in my life? All right. Now, how do we respond to this, this nature of the relationship. Let's read Psalm 86, 11. I think it's a great response. It's a prayer of David. Let's read it together. And as we read it, let's pray it. Why not? Ready? Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Did you catch that? Teach me that I may live in your truth. My energy needs his insight. You know what the greatest tragedy is? Activity without insight. You ever said about someone, that dude doesn't know what he's doing, right? And you're just like, you're, what, what the translation is, is you're like, he's wasting his time. Or you're wasting your time. You don't know what you're doing. You're wasting your time. God doesn't want you to waste your life this morning. God wants your energy and your activity and your relationships to receive his insight so that your activity has insight and that you're, you're effective so that he, in this relationship, will just go, man, you're, you're spot on. You're on target. You're, you're in sync. And as you're on target and in sync, life feels better and less frustrating. Um, so the big idea here, write this down, learning equals changing. David says, teach me your ways that I may live according to your truth. Learning is synonymous with changing. In fact, I put the definition of learning down there. Learning is a process that results in a change in knowledge and behavior as a result of an experience with something or someone. That's what Jesus wants from your relationship with him. He's not an accessory to your life that you kind of add in along with you know, your Starbucks order and uh, your, your, your other preferences. No, this relationship is transformational. Everybody say transformational. It's transformational. You know Jesus, you're learning from him, you're learning from Jesus, you're changing. Your life is changing, it's dynamic. And that's the initial force of inception. Come to me, that's invitation. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, you'll find rest for your souls. That's transformation. So learning is changing. And what I love about the book of Acts is that you see guys who've walked with Jesus and they're in relationship with him and people are observing their transformation. 
Look at what it says in Acts 4.16. Let's read it together. Ready? Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus, learning from Jesus, uneducated, untrained. I got to tell you, when I first came to the Lord, I'm, I'm just like them, uneducated and untrained. And I just I stand before you as a person who's just been with Jesus. It's not Kenny. It's just from hanging with Jesus and being with Jesus and talking to Jesus and learning Jesus' language and watching him be a man and watching what he says and, and listening to him. You know, tell me how to live. My energy adopting his insight. That's all it is. And man, what a blessing. Amen. What a blessing knowing Jesus Christ. And this promise of take my yoke upon you and learn from me and you'll find rest for your souls. I'm at peace most of the time because I know Jesus. So learning is changing. And we see in the book of Acts, men transformed by being with Jesus. You know what the world needs right now? They need, it needs to see you confident. It needs to see you walking with Jesus and learning from Jesus and listening to Jesus. And there's the world's training and there's Jesus' training. There's culture and there's Christ. And they need to see you transformed by Christ and recognize us as having been with Jesus, learning from Jesus. And so that's where we're going to head for the rest of our time because a good disciple is a good learner. In fact, that's what the word means. It's pupil, learner, student, okay? So let's look at some, some things, and I just pulled out a few, but I think these are basic to learning. Number one, a disciple is curious about what his teacher thinks or about what God thinks in this context, right? And what I love about Christ is that Christ never asks you to do what he didn't do himself. Look at what it says in Luke chapter two about Jesus. All right, now the context is Mary and Joseph have lost their son, but he's not lost, they think he's lost. So it says this, after three days they found him, Jesus, let's finish it together, in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. So say this with me, say sitting, listening, asking questions. He is curious, he is in the mix, it's relationship, he's with other men who are seeking God, and Jesus is modeling for us what is meant for us in, through his own life. You know? and, and our goal for being curious about God is talked about in Romans 12 too, let's read that together. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what's the goal of being curious about what God thinks? So we can discover what God thinks. We can test what God thinks. We can approve what God thinks in real time, in real life, and in real relationships. Our energy adopting his insight, and our pattern being transformed to his pattern. 
Because there is a pattern that you're living by right now. And the two dominant ones are culture or Christ. You can look out and go, oh, that's how men behave. That's what they do. That's how they think. That's how they become significant. That's what's important. And then you can go, oh, I'll live according to that pattern to reach those goals. Or if you're God's man, you go, nope, my model is Christ. And I need his insight to shape and guide my energy in every area of my life. And as I do that, not only do I experience the peace and rest of Jesus, but I transform. And as I transform, people observe my transformation and they go, where does that come from? Oh, he's one of those Christ guys. He's one of those Jesus guys. And they recognize us as having been with Jesus. That's what the world needs. More men who hang with Jesus, who learn from Jesus, who transform by being with Jesus, and they're curious. How's your level of curiosity today? Or do you know it all? Are you, have you arrived? You know, it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, guys think once I've kind of become familiar with something, I got it, right? In fact, I catch myself kind of saying that. Someone's trying to teach me, and then I'm skipping ahead in my mind. I'm like, I got it, I got it, right? You ever say that? Yes, I got it. Hey, guess what? With Jesus, you never use those words. It's like, hey, Jesus, I got it. Right? Doesn't make sense. Not in that relationship. You know, it's like a guitarist hanging out with Eric Clapton or John Mayer. It's just like, hey, guy, I got it. Yeah. I got it, guys. Thanks a lot for that. Thanks for, thanks for your input. Right? You never say that with Jesus. So we have to maintain kind of this curious attitude. We have to sit with Jesus, listen to Jesus, ask Jesus questions. And as he shares with us, he changes the way we think. And when we change the way we think, we change the way we live. And then we transform. And when, we, when Jesus changes the way a man thinks and he changes the way he lives, the people that are around him, as he's changing the way he lives, they're kind of scratching their heads like, what has gotten into that guy? Well, I'll tell you what gets into that guy. Jesus and how Jesus thinks. So that's the first trait of a disciple. Now, look at what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 6. Let's read it together. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You know, it goes to that curiosity. It's kind of like an appetite. It's an appetite to learn. Can I ask you a question? What's your appetite to learn from Jesus this morning? Is it there or not there? All right? In the relationship with Jesus, it should always be there because there's this never-ending treasure trove of wisdom and insight that he has available specifically for you for the life you're living right now with the difficulties, trials, and tribulations are, that are in your life. He has wisdom he wants to give. He wants you to learn from him. All right? So that's the first trait. A disciple is curious about what God thinks. Secondly, a disciple connects their learning to their living. Amen? A disciple connects their learning to their living. At least that's how Jesus saw it. Again, we're resetting this whole idea of relationship with God. And a healthy relationship with God means learning from God. There's a pupil-teacher dynamic going on. And as pupils, we need to be curious about what our teacher thinks. Secondly, when, when our teacher speaks... It's not for consideration, it's not for discussion, and it's not for debate. It's for doing, 
all right? So Jesus talks a little bit about this, and it, you know, when you look at what Jesus says to people, if you read between the lines, it's like he's resetting people's thoughts about how the whole thing works. So in this particular passage, Luke 6, 46 and 47, Jesus says this, why are you so polite with me? Always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir, but never doing a thing, I tell you. These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. Let's finish it together. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. Circle that. Words to build a life on. So when Jesus you know, alludes to, you know, I'm talking, and you say, yes, sir, awesome, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And, you know, ever learning and never changing. That's what Jesus is saying. Are you one of those guys who's always at a Bible study, always at church, always, you know, talking about the Bible, but the people in your life go, so? They don't see any tangible, visible difference in your life from you coming to Bible study, coming to church, spending time in God's word, quoting scripture, all right? They don't see character transformation. They see you on the outsides, but your insides have not changed at all. Your attitudes, your actions, the way you love them. You can, that, that, that right there is a person who's a yes man to Jesus, but not a yes to doing what he says. Oh yeah, praise the Lord, hallelujah, awesome, so great. If I asked you, are you a Christ follower? 100% I am, all right? Would your family say that you're a Christ follower? Would your wife say you're a Christ follower? Would your, would your closest friends go, oh yeah, Jim's a Christ follower. Oh yeah, Jeff's a Christ follower. Oh yeah, Dan, he's a Christ follower. Francisco, he's a Christ follower. Frank, he's a Christ follower. Because you're, you're transforming. It's the way you love, the way you treat people, the way you approach trials and circumstances. They're seeing a fundamental difference because of the way you, you behave. So Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? If you're not connecting what you're learning from me to your living, you're not learning. Look at what it says here in Matthew chapter 12. It's an interesting situation. So Jesus is, is getting some, some visibility and people are crowding around to uh, see him and his own family is having trouble getting access. So that's the context of this passage in Matthew 12. Uh, so it, it begins and says, someone told him, Hey, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they're wanting to speak to you. Okay, let's finish it together. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Oh, Jesus is resetting what it means to know him. He's saying, hey, it's not blood, it's obedience. That's how I know someone knows me. They do the will of my father. That's convicting, isn't it? Right? It's like, well, what do you and Jesus have in common? Well, we both do God's will. Okay? Jesus did God's will on earth. He came from heaven to earth, and while he was on earth, he did God's will. Okay? And I know Jesus, right? And Jesus does God's will. And because I know Jesus and I'm a pupil of Jesus, I do God's will, okay? It's, it's a simple domino, 
right? So he's, Jesus is saying, hey, you know that whole claim of I'm close to Jesus? Hey, it's me. Like they show up, they're like, hey, it's me. And Jesus is going, well, do they do God's will? Wow, with his own blood family. So it's obedience over genetics. Wow. So you know what that means? That means that closeness to Jesus is available to every single person listening to the sound of my voice. You do the will of the Father, right? So a disciple is curious about what God thinks, and a disciple connects their learning to their living. Third, a disciple learns in community. Now, it's not on your notes, but just let's just recognize the obvious, okay? How many disciples were there? Twelve, right? And they're with a teacher, that's, a, that's what we call in today's world a cohort or a community of learners, right? That's what we are. We're a community of learners. We get together every Thursday and we get together with 9,000 other dudes, you know, uh, that are watching on TV. And we're a cohort and we're, we're, we're God's men, we're Christ followers, and we're in community with our leader, Jesus, and he's teaching us what it means to know God and how to live. And we're hungry for his insight so that our energy can be guided by his wisdom. Because that's a sign of relationship. But look what what the Apostle Paul, the mentor, says to the mentee in 2 Timothy 2.22. Ready? Let's read it together. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So we have the model of Jesus, Jesus plus 12 learning together. Then we have the Apostle Paul and all of the guys that he trained and they learned together. You know? And he's saying to Timothy, hey, if say no to this, Okay, say no to the pattern of the world. Say yes to God. But say no to the world and say yes to God and circle this, along with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. You want to accelerate your goals in God? You want to accelerate your relationship with God? Be with men of God. Okay? Be with your community of followers who love Jesus, who want to know Jesus, and who are seeking and pursuing a learning relationship with Jesus. Why? So they can transform, all right? So a disciple is curious about what God thinks. A disciple connects their learning to their living. A disciple learns in community. Next, a disciple sticks with the process. A disciple sticks with the process. So as we're in community, and by the way, for those in the room, you're like, you skipped that verse in Proverbs, all right? Which says... Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Wow. So that's a verse about learning in community. So we're in community. And you know one of the things in community with other men that we need to help each other do? Hang in there. Especially when the wind and the waves come. Because they're going to come. You're going to have health problems. You're going to have relationship problems. You're going to have marriage problems. You're going to have job transition problems. You're going to have all sorts of issues, and as we're in community, as we're curious about what God thinks, as we're trying to apply Jesus' insight to our daily life, and we're in community with other men, a disciple sticks with the process, and that's one of the benefits of being in community, but that's also what a learner is. So sometimes, guys, I know it's frustrating when you're not getting something right away, right? We get frustrated, 
all right? And being frustrated doesn't feel good. When we don't feel good, we want to feel better. And so feeling better means not feeling frustrated, so we abandon the process, all right? That's what boys do. Men hang in there. Men stick with it. Maturity knows that I can't get the product without the process. Boys think, oh, we need the product now, but we don't want any process. Hey, if, if Jesus showed us that his process got him the product, because we're here, three years, 12 guys, 20 centuries of movement, not a bad process, right? So a disciple sticks with the process. Let's read Galatians chapter six, verse nine together, ready? So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Circle harvest and don't give up. You see, on the other side of your applying the insight that Jesus gives, in the moment, it's not always beneficial to you to apply the insight that Jesus gives. It's like, wait, you're supposed, I'm supposed to love my enemy? Wait, I'm supposed to say no to myself and yes to my neighbor? Wait, I'm, so when Jesus gives us his insight, say for example, a command to believe, that goes against us serving ourselves, right? And we can get tired sometimes as we make decisions for God and people and not for ourselves, and that's the spiritual battle, amen? I mean, that's really where the rubber hits the road. And you can get weary uh, in, in doing what is good and when you get to that place, God's saying to us right now, hey, I got it. Uh, I got your return on investment. And it's going to come right at the right time. And it can come now. It can come tomorrow. It can come in two weeks. But be assured of this. It's coming. And, you know, we all want to get there on that day. And we all want to go, oh, man, glad I stuck it out. Glad I, I made that decision for God in that moment right? And we're going to reap a harvest of blessing. And we can reap, reap it now. We can reap it later. Some of you are in a situation where you're just like, man, I, I need that, that harvest of blessing ahora. Like right now. Like ahorita. All right? I need it now. And God is saying to you, hey, hold on. Just keep being God's man. Keep doing the things that show love for me and other people. It's coming. My watch is the best watch. It's going to come exactly in the right form and in the right way. You hang in there. Look at what it says in Hebrews 12, 11. Kind of gets to that tension, right, of disciplining ourselves around God's purposes. Let's read it together. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. You know, I've been a pastor for a long time. I've seen guys, you know, come into a relationship with God, and, and they're like superheroes. They leave just as fast as they come, all right? They start strong, and then I never hear from them. And then there's others who are just consistent. They keep showing up. Good times, bad times, you know, normal times. In the mix of life, they just, they're consistent. And they're disciplined. And the reason they're disciplined is because they have such a strong hope that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And they know that God's, God's a good bet. They've seen God work. They know who he is. They know he honors his word. They know he's faithful. 
And so sometimes when they're confused or can't feel or see God and what's going on, they know that God's over their life and he's working everything together for their good and they continue because they know who he is to stick with the process. And so they discipline themselves because they know God's character and they know that he's going to deliver. All right, let's look at the next characteristic of a learner or a disciple. A disciple accepts stumbling as part of the process. A lot of you are like, yeah, all right, I was wondering if he was going to get to that. Because uh, I'm, you know, hey, I'm Kenny and I'm a stumbler. All right, you guys are supposed to say, hello, Kenny. Yeah, I'm, I'm Kenny and I'm a stumbler. Uh, I've been stumbling since the very beginning. You know, I'm stumbling a little less than I did at the beginning of coming to know Jesus, but I still stumble, right? And you know, the Bible says that that's a characteristic of a person who's following Jesus, that they're going to stumble. But there's another characteristic of the person who follows God, and it's this. It's right here in Proverbs 24, 16. Let's read it together. Ready? The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Wow. Stumbling is expected in your walk with God. But rising makes the man. Think about that. Like, you know, when the Bible talks about, you know, you're, you're, you're like a, a blade of grass blown by the wind whose place acknowledges it no longer, right? I mean, God knows that you're fragile. God knows that you're human. God knows that you're imperfect. God knows you will struggle, all right? But what is he looking for? Just, it's the same thing that a good coach is looking for in a good player, all right? Are they going to persevere? Are they going to stick with it? They're not looking for, you know, sexy plays on the field all the time, you know, doubles and triples and home runs at every at-bat, right? Touchdowns on every throw, right? Those are the odds. It just doesn't happen. And the odds of you living this, this, this perfect, unmitigated, awesome, hallelujah walk with God, that's not reality. In fact, it, it kind of looks like this. I'm, I'm, I'm going good for a little while, and then, woo, whoop, and then I come back, and there's a reset. And then, woo, 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 oh my God, woo, and then you come back out of that, and then you're, you're on, you've learned You've learned, you've reset, you've, you've been molded and shaped by the fire of that reset, and then you, you, you now bring that and you start moving on more, all right? It's because you're, you're trusting God when it's, when it's good, and you're trusting God when it's bad, and God's presence doesn't go away when things are bad, just like it's not more there when it's good. God's always with us, all right? It's are we learning? That's, that's what God wants to know. And in the Bible, in Philippians chapter two, what I love is just seeing the mind of a guy who's a good learner. And, and Paul in Philippians chapter three, we went probably right up there in top five favorite passages of all time for me personally. Uh, he says this, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. Let's finish it together. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. 
I press on, I press on, I'm not there yet. I press on, I get up, I stumble, I get up, right? I remember my daughter was uh, at a track meet, I was sitting in the stands and she ran the 400 and, and I remember, you know, because sometimes it can get, uh, when, they, when they collapse into one pack, so they stagger start and then at, at the 220 mark they collapse into one pack and then they can finish however. Uh, so along the back stretch, you know, she's right in the pack and she's right where she needs to be. And then all of a sudden I just see this body just go, bam, face plant. Like no, no hands going down, just full, boom. And I'm like, oh my God, that's my daughter. And all of a sudden everybody's like, <gasps> and then what's going to happen next? And what happened next was she did a push up. She went, whoop, boom, and there's blood and she starts taking off, and she's running, and she's running, and I'm thinking, oh my God, oh my God, and I just see her closing on that poor girl who's in last place, and she's closing, 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 and she catches that last girl and finishes second to last, but in my eyes, where did she place? First place. You know, today, you're, you might be like, you might have face-planted and God's and, and the crowds of heaven, the witnesses, you know, the cloud of witnesses are like, oh, are you going to get up? Are you going to get up and finish your race? Jesus didn't say, well done, good and high performing first place servant. <laughs> he says, well done, good and will you be faithful to get up? Will you be faithful to repent? Will you be faithful to turn to God? and to turn to the body of Christ, and to do the next right thing that God wants you to do. You see, a disciple, not only does he stick with the process, he accepts stumbling. You know, a lot of us, sometimes when we stumble, we're like, oh, I'm out. No, you're not. Whose expectation was that? Yours? It's not God's. He knows how you're made. He knows the stuff of your made up. You're made up. And he's got you in a process, right? Let's look at the last thing that a good learner does. A, a disciple gives away what they learn. So a disciple's curious about what God thinks, connects their learning to their living, learns in community, sticks with the process, accepts, accepts stumbling as a part of the process. Lastly, gives away what they learn. Let's read Matthew 4.19 together to see what Jesus' expectation of the process is. Ready? And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So Jesus is saying, hey, here's my invitation. Come. And after my invitation, here's what you do. Follow me, all right? Imitate me, all right? And I will make you, all right? That means impartation. So there's an invitation to imitation. And as we're in that relationship, there's impartation, pupil or teacher to pupil, right? And that's going to make us something different. And what it's going to make us is it's going to make us fishers of men, means we're going to be influencers. What Jesus pours into us is not a placeholder, guys. It's supposed to come into us and flow out of us onto people. So that's where Jesus, like, if you're in a relationship with me, what I pour into you should go through you. What I pour into you should go through you. What I tell you should come out of you. What I tell you in secret, you should go shout on the, mount, on the rooftops. All right? the, th the insight that you give me, you should pass on to your children. The leadership advice that I give you, you should, you should apply, and it should come out of you, 
right? So if his kingdom comes and his will is being done, that means that we're having an impact on everyone who comes in, in touch with us. Right? Look what Jesus said in Matthew 20, 28. And this was, these are his final words, all right? He says, go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's finish it together. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. Wow, there you go, guys, there it is. That's good for today, right now. And what I love about it is we, we started off by Jesus just saying, hey, come to me, right? Learn from me. Invite me into the second yoke and we'll pull together. But as we pull together, then, you know, at some point, Jesus is gonna release you. You're still gonna do life with him, and, but man, you're gonna be instructing others and you're gonna invite others into the yoke. And you're gonna do with others what he invited you to do, right? And what I love about this is it's everyone you meet. Go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And just remember, I'm with you always, wherever you go, whoever you're with, day after day, right to the end, all right? That's, that's the age we're in right now. We're in that age where we're cooperating with Jesus's commission. And we're called to be influencers and we're called to share the gospel and we're called to make disciples and we're called to give away what he gives to us, all right? Right up until the end. I don't know when my end is. I don't know when yours is. But guess what? I'm gonna be doing right up to the end. Let me doing this. And you know, if you really wanna learn something, give it away. You never learn more than when you take what you've heard and you've learned and you've practiced and seen and experienced and give it away. That's when it becomes yours. In fact, that's part of the reasons why I love men's ministry. Is that as I, we talk about this, I get to keep it and I become more versus less accountable to what I'm teaching. So as I am talking to you about these things, I'm going, man, I wanna, I wanna give away what I'm learning from Jesus. And you know what I'm learning right now? I'm learning that healthy relationships reset themselves. They go for a little while and they can become something different than what either party envisioned, certainly with God, and that it's good to reset your relationship with God. And, you know, that's where this whole thing of I'm giving away what I'm learning, I'm just, I'm just saying that, that we have to reset. Let's finish our study by reading 2 Timothy 2.2. Ready? You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You want to know why I do an outline? It's not because I am obsessed with fill-ins. I'll tell you that much. It's for you. It's for you. It's for you to go teach this to someone. It's for you to have as a reference. It's for you to keep in your Bible. You know, it's for you to go over tomorrow and the next day and as we go week to week. And my, my prayer for all of you is that you'll give it away versus just receive it. You know, is it like, honey, how is Bible study? Well, let me tell you. You know, 
This is how Bible study was. And you know what? I'm not going to go over the whole thing with you, but this really hit me. You know, this thing right here. The Lord really spoke through his word to me on this. And so, guys, when we're talking about a relationship with God, right, just remember how it started. How grateful were you to have all your sins forgiven? How grateful were you to finally find your purpose for living? How grateful were you to know that you have a home in heaven forever? And the delight in that and the joy in that and the love in that, feeling that loved by God. And you just wanted to be wherever God was. I remember that time in my life. I wanted to be at church every time the door was open. I wanted to be in God's word every time I could. There was a hunger and a thirst there for that relationship. Not because I wanted something from God, but because I wanted God himself. And that's where God is resetting me. It's not about my activity. It's not about Bible studies or whatever. It's about me and Jesus and me treasuring him as a person. It's not about uh, all the activities that go with ministry. It's about walking with him to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with, with my God. It's a, it's a learning relationship. It's a listening relationship. And, uh, and if those things are happening, the consequence of just being with God will take care of itself. Amen? And that's what a real relationship is. So don't let your relationship with God become something that it's not. And let Jesus reset it. So as we go into this next year, I pray that you'll go back to these notes over the break. And I pray that you'll reset your relationship with Jesus. And that we'll go into next year with a right relationship, a reset relationship with God. And that everything that's intended for that relationship will come out and people will see he's been with Jesus. All right, let's bow our heads. God, simple prayer this morning for everyone in the room and everyone that's watching and streaming online. Our prayer is this. Just help us get the relationship right. Help, what you, help us to see what you envision for this walk, this journey, this connection with you. And when we peel it all back, We see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit mutually delighting in one another, mutually encouraging each other, mutually supporting, mutually enjoying each other. We see this abiding connection between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that's what you want us to have. Jesus, you prayed that before you left earth. You said, Father, give them what we have. And so we're here to say we want that. Jesus, we treasure you. You're you're our greatest treasure. You're the pearl that we've discovered, and we treasure it. And Jesus, we both welcome and want you today. Not want something from you, but we want you. We want to walk with you, we want to listen to you, and we want to learn from you. Thank you so much for coming to earth to make that relationship possible. And there are some of you out there, you need to reset your relationship with God this morning. You need to say you're sorry. God, I'm sorry for making it something that it's not. God, I'm sorry that it's always about what I can get from you in my desperation and not just you. And Lord, I turn to you because I know that you have what I need and I know that you can change things. But sometimes I do that at the expense of just being with you 
and knowing you. And so, Lord, forgive me for that. And then there are others of you where you're about to bail out of the process. But God has placed you here in this study. And your community of brothers right now, we're praying for you. And we're asking God to meet you right now and for you to come back and to live restfully and to be a learner and to let his wisdom guide your energy once again. God, we all want to learn from you. We want to change and we want our influence to be the result of that. That when people look at us, we might be uneducated, we might be untrained, but there's one thing for sure that we want people to notice about us, that we have been with you and they can see the confidence and newness and transformation of our lives from being with you. In Christ's name we pray and God's men said, amen. You know that someone has a gun, someone's armed with a gun, you can hear the gunshots as you're going up. Uh, the biggest fear for me as I pulled up and it was in my mind was that there was a chance that I could clearly lose my life. You know, right now I'm thinking of a drowning I went on and I will never forget the sound of, of that mom screaming. Um, it's a challenge to go to the parents and tell the parents that your baby is not gonna make it and there's nothing we can do. I remember one um, particular situation a kid named Jake, he was eight years old, and we got a call of a baby drowning in a pool. And I remember we got there and we pulled the kid out of the pool and we started doing CPR because that's what we're trained to do. And I remember he threw up in my mouth and I remember opening his eyes and I could see that his pupils were fixed and dilated. But I thought, oh, you know what? He threw up, that's a good thing. He started breathing and the firemen did a great job and they took him off and um, he didn't make it and he died. And I never, Again, I never told anybody about that.